welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Several years ago, my wife Jen and I decided we wanted to finish the basement of the home we had moved into. And when I say we decided we wanted to finish the basement, what I mean is we would have to hire someone to help us finish the basement, or in fact, to do all of it, and we would be helpers in some way, because I know nothing about that stuff. Like, those of you that can do home renovations, it blows my mind. I literally can do none of it. And so we hired a friend of ours who goes to our church, and uh, they were going to do it, and I was going to help in terms of, you know, be around to swing a hammer or (laughs) bring drinks at lunch or whatever, but there was no way, like, this was the kind of thing. It wasn't like, hey, I pretty much know what I'm doing. Hey, you want to come over and just help me finish up the trim. It was like, I have no way of knowing how to do this. I need you to help me by doing the whole thing. And they were amazing. But we got to the point in the process where, you know, the drywall was finished and it was such a good drywall job and everything had been laid out according to plan. And the, the person who was leading it did such a good job of kind of managing the project, doing all the great work. And then we turned it over to Uh, Someone who's going to do the taping, do all the seams on the drywall, which is kind of finicky work and certain kind of specialty. And unfortunately, we made the decision to hire somebody off of a flyer that I got in the mailbox. And on Christmas Eve, uh, after we came down to see what kind of work they had done, we realized it was a disaster. And at that point, I needed a whole new level of help. Like to say it this way, I felt helpless, which isn't like, oh, we don't have the help. It was like, oh no, this is terrible. (laughs) Like there's no way this is going to work out well. And the help that came after, honestly, I feel like it was miraculous from some friends who knew some friends who came in and fixed a terrible taping job and turned it into something beautiful. It was a whole new level of assistance. And like I said, from the beginning, this was not something I could have ever done by myself and certainly, um, or or really taking the lead on, and certainly when it got to the point when it got really bad, there was no way I was going to be able to fix it. Now, let's be honest. In this question we have been exploring over these last six weeks, how do I grow? I'll be honest, in my life, and I'm probably not the only one, this isn't like, hey, I pretty much know what I'm doing. You know, I know how to have healthy relationships. I know how to like have a good sense of purpose and vision in my life. I know how to grow my relationship with God. I know how to grow my relationship. I know all of that. I just need a little bit of tweaking, a little bit of assistance. It's not that kind of thing. It's the kind of thing where I think, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? Like even over the last few weeks, we've been talking through faith catalysts and what does it mean to, to, to actually grow, but it's not the kind of thing we can just sort of make happen. If you're anything like me, to grow our relationship with God, uh, the, the one we cannot see with our eyes, but who is more real than anything else, to grow our relationship with him, to grow in our relationship with others, to grow to become more mature people, to become less addicted people, more peaceful people, more centered people, more um, humble and generous people, That's something we need a lot of help to do. This isn't something we can just do on our own. Which is why we said last week at a turning point, like it's a really significant thing that um, God, as the person of the Holy Spirit, calls himself the helper. That the Holy Spirit is God our helper. And this is just amazing, right? That we have a God who is not saying, hey, this is the bar, Um, you got to meet it. You know, here's the standard, get there, grow up yourself. But that God would actually describe himself as friend and helper. And when we say helper, 
means someone who comes down to where we are to lift us up, who gets low in a sense to get underneath the burdens that we carry, the load that we carry, to get underneath this heavy thing called personal growth, spiritual growth, relational growth, you know, um, emotional growth to actually help us do that, that this is the God we serve. But the question to ask is, well, what kind of help is it that God gives? To be honest, we value the kind of help that leads to independence and autonomy, right? We want the kind of help that says, hey, help me so that eventually I won't need help anymore. That's what independence is, right? Like, I know we have that phrase, like, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day, teach him how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Sure, there's lots to be said for that. But we actually value the kind of help that says, I want help so that I don't have to feel incompetent anymore, that I don't have to depend on anyone anymore, that I don't have to feel helpless anymore. So I want help so eventually I won't need help anymore. Many of us, if we're honest, actually, we're terrible at asking for help. We feel bad asking for any kind of any help. We want to be independent people. We want to be able to do it ourselves. And we want to be autonomous. We want to be able to make our own decisions according to our own plan, to our own ideas, to our own agenda for what growth looks like. But as we said that last week, that can kind of be dangerous because a life that is, that is pursuing independence and autonomy can, and, and growing like that, if that's the crown of growth raptor, can lead to some dangerous results of pride. You know, it did it myself. Look at me, independent, autonomous. Hypocrisy, where I look good on the outside, but the inside's not very good. Or feeling or living with guilt and shame because we can't do it. We can't measure up. We can't be independent. We can't be autonomous. But is that God's growth plan for you, that you would become more independent and autonomous? Actually, the writers of the New Testament describe the way that the Holy Spirit actually comes along as our helper to help us grow in terms that are categorically different than independence and autonomy. And I want you to listen to this, probably one of the most um, descriptive and detailed passages about how the Holy Spirit works um, to help us grow as the community of Jesus followers. So listen now as that's read for us. Now about the gifts of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. There are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. The central feature of this particular part of this letter to um, a first century community of Jesus followers is about this idea that as Jesus followers, we are a body. He's saying you are at the same time many and one, just like a body. That your identity as Jesus followers is that you are, there's diversity, 
but there is a diversity that finds its fullest expression in unity, just like a body, just like body parts. And he's using the analogy of the body to explain really as a metaphor for what it means to be the church, which is not at all about independence and autonomy, but about, if I can say it this way, interdependence and belonging. Interdependence and belonging. And think about this as a, as a body. The body parts, though each unique, are all seamlessly, organically interdependent and connected to each other. And sure, you could talk about them as individual parts, but in a sense, they only have life as they are organically connected each to the other. Now, when they're connected, they don't all become the same part. They don't look the same part. Collectively, they form something entirely new and bigger than each of them. We talked a couple of weeks about that word synergazo or synergy, which means the sum of the parts or the, the, the whole is greater than just any individual parts all collected together. Interdependence, interconnection, and belonging belonging to one body. And so what they're saying is, hey, you are interdependent. You are not independent from each other. As, As Jesus followers, you are all interconnected, interdependent with each other and belonging to Christ as his body. We are not autonomous people charting our own way in the world, finding our own purpose, finding our own mission, finding our own reason for being, growing on our own for ourselves. We are interdependent, seamlessly, organically connected to each other and belonging to the body of Christ. Now, I know, and if you're new to church, you're new to this idea, or even if you've heard it before, it's weird to think about yourself as a body part, right? It's kind of strange. Like, what, what does that mean? Like, I'm a body part. But think about it this way. The whole biblical story, in case you didn't know or forgot or just need to be reminded, God chose to redeem and save and heal and restore the world by sending his son Jesus in the flesh, in a body. God in a bod, as we say, came to our world. God in the flesh, right? And then Jesus, when he was leaving after his death and resurrection, says to his earliest followers, this collection of a community of people, men and women, who were now defined by the fact that they followed Jesus, who formed the first church, he said this to them. He said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. So the Father sent me as God in the flesh, flesh and blood, into the world. Now I send you into the world. I'm sure you've had this thought before, like, oh man, if I could only see Jesus, if Jesus would just still be here in flesh and blood. Maybe some of you, you don't believe because you haven't seen with your eyes. You're like, man, that's hard to conceive. If I had only met Jesus, maybe I would have an easier time believing, or maybe my faith would be stronger if I could see Jesus in the flesh. But this passage actually says, oh, you don't have to wonder, wouldn't it be great if Jesus was here in flesh and blood on the earth? He is here in flesh and blood on the earth in his body, the church. We are flesh and blood. It's not just a spiritual non-material being, but actually Jesus is present in the world in a flesh and blood way through the church. 
Which is to say, we don't just form kind of any old body. It's like, it's not like, oh yeah, we're all better together. I know that's one of our values. But the reason we say we're better together is not just because, hey, it's better to be together on your own, isn't it? Well, that's true. But we don't just form any old body. He's not saying, oh, you're like a body. We go, oh yeah, that makes sense. We're interdependent and connected and belonging. No, you are the body of Jesus Christ. <laughs> not just anybody, <laughs> the body of Christ, the flesh and blood presence of Jesus in the world. That's why it matters so much that we understand ourselves as interdependent and belonging parts of a body that together, when we are together, Jesus becomes visible. Jesus is seen. Now, again, I know that's hard for us to think about, but it's a little bit like this. Have a look. I don't know. on her face, I think, before she landed that time. <laughs> look, at the, look at the jump off the table. Reaches for the ground, just a slight little hop once again. Can't do better than what they were able to put together. Caden, his partner, if he didn't come down with his hands, but how about that? Throw fin. Look where he catches the ball. Listen, the ball is nowhere near the basket. Look. And that's a lob from midcourt. <laughs> look at that. What you just saw was amazing. It was an amazing feat of strength and power and beauty and agility um, and almost seemingly effortless activity by a human being. Simone Biles, the highly decorated gymnast, and John ja Morant, one of the most explosive young players in the NBA. Now, when you watch them, did you see Simone Biles' left calf fire at just the right time when she hit that vault to allow her to get that height and that spin? No, you didn't. Did you see John Morant's right thumb when he flushed that jam over top of that guy? No, you did not see that. What you saw was the whole body, the whole person at once. Now, you know if you're in sports science or if you're in medicine or any kind, or you study biology, or you just slow down the tape long enough, or you know yourself as a person, you know all of the intricacies of the human body and the muscles and the skeletal system and the, you know, the nervous system, the brain and everything, even the stuff you don't see of the body that all had to work together for that to happen. But the end result is not that you look at the individual parts. The end result is that you see the whole person. You see the human being. You see the incredible feat of beauty and strength that they carried out as the body. You're not thinking about the parts. That is the point. That's what this writer in Corinthians is saying. Hey, Jesus followers, yes, each of you are unique. And as you come together, you don't lose your uniqueness. But in a sense, you grow, you are helped in your faith as you grow together as a body, not in independence and autonomy, but in interdependence and belonging so that in the end, the net effect is that Jesus is seen. Jesus becomes visible to you and the world around you. All that we see becomes Jesus. Because let's be honest, the world needs to see more of Jesus. And he says the way this happens um, is, look how he describes it. He says in, in verse uh, 7, To each one, a manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
to each one, a manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That word manifestation is kind of an old, weird word, but it basically just means an appearance. And, and he's saying, look, the, Christ appears or becomes visible through the Spirit, through each one of us together. That Jesus is what, exactly what we've been saying. When we come together, the Spirit helps us make Jesus visible for the common good, right? Not so individuals can say, oh, now I'm better off or I have this, I have that. But that as a community in common, we are blessed. The world around us is blessed. It is for the common good, it is for the common benefit. Everyone benefits when Jesus becomes visible to the community, to the world around us. That's what he says to each one, a manifestation or an appearance or something that makes Christ visible is given to each one for the common good. And it happens through this thing that are called the gifts of the Spirit, which is to say this, the Spirit gives each of us gifts to make Jesus visible to each other and the world around us for the common good. That's how this works. The Spirit gives each of us gifts so that together we form the body of Christ. And just like those videos we watch, what you see is the body, the whole being. What is seen by each other and the world is Jesus as we come together through what is called spiritual gifts. What is this thing? What is the spiritual gift? To put it simply, it is something that the Spirit, in a sense, gives to the body through each of us. Like spiritual gifts are not actually something that the Spirit gives to you, but it's something that it gives to the community through you. It's like the Spirit saying, hey, I'm going to give you this. Give this to everyone else. I'm going to give you something to give as a gift to everyone else. That's the help the Holy Spirit says. Hey, I'm going to help you be a blessing. Remember we talked about this idea of a tree, of being connected to a life-giving source and becoming a life-giving source? Well, this is the way the Spirit says, hey, I'm going to help you become a life-giving source to people around you by giving you something, a spiritual gift, that you can give. It's not something that ultimately is given to you. It's something that's given to others through you. Which again is to say it's not about independence and autonomy. This is actually how the Spirit works to make us interdependent and belonging to Jesus. Which is another way to saying spiritual gifts are not about you. They're not in a sense superpowers that define who you are and make you look great. As the Spirit gives gifts to the church, Jesus looks great. It's not about us. It's not about, we're not the stars of the show. Jesus shines. Jesus comes through the church when the church works together with the gifts that the Spirit gives to each one to give to others, what? For the common good. That's how we grow. That's how Jesus becomes visible. This became sort of, it came home to me really powerfully. I was at a conference a couple of months ago um, and I got to meet and hear a speaker named Jonathan Tremaine Thomas. And he and a community of people have started this organization called um, Civil Righteousness. And he said it started when they were in Ferguson, Missouri uh, in 2015, when a young man named Michael, Michael Brown was killed by police officers. And riots started, 100 days of civil unrest in Ferguson. And he and his community felt called to just go down as Jesus followers and to start praying right in the streets when all the chaos was happening. And he said, you know what happened? Jesus showed up when we started praying together. He said, we eventually got on the police scanners. The police started calling us and saying, hey, we got a problem over on this street. Send some of those Jesus people over there to start singing hymns and praying. 
(laughs) What was happening in this place of chaos? He said the peacemaker, Jesus Christ himself, was showing up through the body gathered together. It wasn't this individual or that individual. The police are saying, hey, Jesus people together, go over there. They didn't know it, but they were saying, we need Jesus to show up on that street. Friends, that's what happens when the spirit works in each of us together as the body. Jesus shines. Jesus becomes visible to each other and to the world around us. But here's the thing. We actually even need each other. See, this isn't just about like moving us away from independence and autonomy, but realizing we're interdependent and and belonging to Christ. We actually even need each other to discover what our gifts are, right? This is not like an Avengers movie where we show up and say, well, here I am and I have this magic hammer that can smash a bunch of people. And also I have an amazing Australian accent, which makes me even look more good looking than I am. And you're like, oh, that's cool. Well, I can burn... people with my eyes. And some of you nerds are like, no, that's X-Men, not Marvel. Okay, just, you know what I'm saying, right? It's not like that. We don't just show up with our superpowers and go, hey, this is what I bring to the table. The only thing we're actually sure of when we come together as the body of Christ is that the Spirit works through us together, that the Spirit does give each of us gifts, and therefore, we're going to figure it out together. You don't come with your superpower knowing what your gift is. In fact, you know, there, there were days gone by, even in our own church, where we would do things like a survey or a spiritual gift survey, where you fill out a bunch of questions so that you can figure out what your gift is. The problem with those things is that's not how you figure out what your spiritual gift is. You don't figure it out and then use it. You jump in, in as part of the body. You function together in an interdependent way, belonging to Christ and to each other. And then you slowly begin to s- discover what your gifts are. In fact, this week, many of you who are in home groups, uh, we follow a rhythm now in home groups called the Upside Down Party. And um, those, those describe four different upside down party, four different weeks and rhythms. And our down night is the night we, we get down uh, below the burden of, of what others are carrying to kind of lift them up. There are serve nights. And this week is a serve night in your home group. And this is one of those nights where the reason we do this is not only to serve others, but so that we can begin to understand how the Spirit might have given us a gift to be a blessing to other people. Next week, we're going to talk more in detail about what some of those gifts are. But one of the categories that we like to use to describe some of the gifts that are described in these passages are the gifts that do. Gifts that do, which is just to say, sometimes we can think about spiritual gifts as like, Oh, they're like very kind of ethereal, non-material sort of praying and stuff like that. And prayer isn't actually a spiritual gift. All of us pray in one sense. Um, But we forget the fact that when you read the biographies of Jesus, he came not as a floating spirit, but as a human being with flesh and blood. And he did a lot of stuff. Jesus did stuff. He didn't just say stuff or teach stuff. He did stuff. And there are spiritual gifts that are actually very much about doing, about activity. Here's just a few of them. One of them is the gift of mercy. The gift of mercy is what we call a face-to-face gift. The gift of mercy is someone who, someone has the gift of mercy comes near to those who are suffering, hurting, 
with physical, emotional, and spiritual needs and meets them face to face to be with them in their time of need, to be with them. And they might help them by doing practical things, but mostly it's their presence. It's their listening ear. Um, and, and the person who spends time with them feels like, oh, I, I was given a gift by this person, just being willing to listen, to be with me in my pain. The person with the gift of mercy moves towards others who are in pain and struggling and wonders why everybody else isn't doing that as well. There's the gift of helps, which is more related to tasks or projects or events or just doing stuff, practical needs. People with the gift of help see the practical needs everywhere and jump in to help in, in whatever way. They're happy and they're empowered and they bring power to any part of the community that needs practical help, the gift of helps. Then there's gifts of giving or hospitality, which is about giving away of time, of money, of food, of relationship of demonstrating the grace and the inclusion, the radical inclusion of Jesus. When people give money or give hospitality, that person feels honored, noticed, loved, cared for, included. It is a spiritual gift that people with generosity and hospitality give to the community. There's the gift of leadership which is about direction, vision, inspiration, and influence. People with the gift of leadership um, are able to bring others along in a good, healthy, God-directed way. Another side of leadership is actually what is called the gift of administration, which is more about an A to B kind of leadership saying, you know, someone with the gift of leadership often thinks in terms of vision and where are we going. Someone with the gift of administration says, here's how we're going to get there. The, the word actually comes from a nautical term meaning helmsman. So the person between the captain and the crew is the administrator. One says, yeah, that's where we're going. Okay, here's how we're going to get there. There are others with the gift of shepherding. Someone with the gift of shepherding is not so much concerned about where are we going, how are we going to get there, but how are we going to get there together? Someone with the gift of shepherding comes alongside other people in their spiritual journey to say, how can I help you grow? How can I support you? How can I pray for you? And then there's the gift of apostleship. That's a doing that's more about pioneering, mobilizing, innovation, creativity. We need people in the community, in the world, who can dream big dreams, who have faith enough to say, maybe God will do this. Let's try something new. God is our God of creativity, and he gives his spirit of creativity to people with the gift of apostleship to do new things. These are all different kinds of gifts that do. But you might have the question, well, how do I know what kind of gift I have? Well, let me give you an example. Like even in the gift of mercy, um, you actually need to figure it out together. Someone with the gift of mercy will see someone in need and go and spend time with them. And they just think, well, doesn't everybody do this? Wouldn't everyone want to help someone who's in need? Someone with the gift of mercy just seems to have a nose for someone who's like, something's not right. Even if they hadn't said anything, they're struggling, they're hurting, they're, or they hear about a need and they move towards it and they begin to help them. They begin to get into that situation with that person, feel their pain, listen to their struggles, pray with them, minister to them, be present with them, saying, I'm going to call you tomorrow. I'm going to come visit tomorrow. I'm going to send you that text. And they're just doing what they feel like comes naturally. But you know what that person who received that gift of mercy feels like? Jesus was in the room. They feel like someone noticed me. They feel more cared for. They feel a little less alone. They feel a little less hopeless. They feel a little less in despair. They feel like they can go another day. And they know someone is with them in it, not just trying to coach them out of it, but willing to climb down into the pit with them. It is literally the presence of Jesus. 
So that person who has that gift actually just needs to go and use it, whether or not they know or they have it, they're just moving towards them. The person who receives it needs to tell that other person, when you sent me that text, when you called me, when you came over, I felt like it was Jesus in the room. I felt, you had no idea, you have no idea how much that encouraged me. You have no idea how much that phone call helped me. Sometimes the problems aren't fixed, but the person feels better because someone with the gift of mercy was ministering the presence of Jesus. And it wasn't just them there, it was Jesus in the room. We figure out our gifts by actually just doing stuff together and letting each other know the impact that each one is having on us so that we can say, hey, maybe that's actually a spiritual gift that I have. And as a result, right, even using this example, both people grow. The person who received the gifts of mercy grows in their faith. They're encouraged. They're able to keep on going. They feel loved and it helps them grow. But the person who's actually serving, who's actually using their time, their gifts that do, that gift of mercy, they grow. They grow in compassion. They grow in feeling like they were used by God to do something beautiful. Both people grow. The one using the gift, the one receiving the gift. And the scriptures say, this passage says, each one of us has something to give to the community so that together Jesus shows up to the body of Christ and to the world around us. And so I want to challenge you on a couple of levels on this. First is just to try something. Try something. To, to actually take a chance and say, okay, I don't know what gifts I have, um, but this is something I'm meant to just figure out as I'm going. It's not something I know and figure out beforehand. No, I jump in, I try something and I'll learn about myself. I'll learn about the impact. I'll figure out, maybe I'll feel the power of Christ as I'm doing it. Maybe I won't, but I'll discover something about myself. And we wanna give lots of permission and freedom to just try it. Remember, this isn't about competence. This is about participation with what Jesus is doing. Jesus invites us, just come, come along, come with me. I'm doing something in this place. You are a part of my body. Just try, just jump in. And, and, and you can do that in whatever way you might try to serve. It isn't like our spiritual gifts say, oh, you have this gift of working with children or you have this gift of music. That's not how it works. But someone who works with kids might have different types of spiritual gifts. And we're gonna talk more about that next week. It's not what, it doesn't guide what you do. It guides how you do it. And so feel free to try to jump in and serve and even as use this weekend home groups as a creative night to figure out some of the gifts that do or different gifts that can actually be present when we put ourselves in place. I want to bless you with the freedom to try something. But even more importantly, I want to bless you with the freedom to say something. And here's what I mean by that. We need to actually use our words to help each other discover our gifts. You need to have the freedom to say to someone, hey, when you said that to me, man, that was powerful. When you texted me, when you called me, when I came over to your house and walked in that place, I felt like I was, that Jesus was in the room. Or you delivered that food to my house, I felt so loved. Like whatever it is, or during that song or that prayer you prayed, I felt Jesus in the room. We're not good at actually using our words to affirm and bless and to speak out loud and say, I needed that. That helped me. <laughs> that empowered me. That strengthened me. That encouraged me. So I want to just do that for a moment here. I just want you to take a moment. And if you think about the body of Jesus at the well in our congregation, in any one of your sites in Bolton or King or Vaughn, or just kind of your experience of our body at the well. Where have you experienced the presence and the power and the gift of Jesus through somebody else? 
Just think about that for a moment. It could be being in someone's home. It could be receiving a text or an email from someone, a phone call. It could be something someone said to you face-to-face, a prayer they prayed, a gift they gave, time they spent, just a word, a hug, um, a song they sang, um, something they did for someone in your family, practical way. Just think about for a moment, who is someone who, you, you may not have realized at the moment, but that had a profound impact on your life. It did something. It shifted something inside of you. Or you felt like, man, God loves me. Or Jesus is with me. You felt Jesus' presence and power through that person. Maybe you didn't realize at the moment that's what it was, but as you think about it now, you're like, yeah. If somebody comes to mind, can I just encourage you to make a commitment right now that you're going to let them know? You're going to let them know and say, hey, when you did that, when you said that, when you brought that, when you wrote that, that had power in my life. You're not only blessing them with gratitude, but you may be helping them discover the unique way that the Spirit has gifted them to be a gift for the community. You know, friends, in this season, man, if we're honest, the body of Christ around the world has been a bit beat up, has been beaten down or discouraged, has been divided fragmented, or has lost some of its muscle memory, (laughs) has gotten out of shape. And what our world needs more than anything right now is not necessarily individual Christians spouting off on Instagram or Facebook or something. They don't even need to see the well or this church or that church. Our world needs to see Jesus in the room. Our world needs a greater, more tangible, visible flesh and blood experience of the body of Christ, of Jesus himself. And I believe as you and I are willing to try something, to say something, to help each other grow in learning what it means that we have each been given a gift to give to others for the common good, that Jesus will show up.